and welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. I'm very excited to say that today is probably going to be our most efficient episode of all time. Not only is it our Halloween-themed episode, but we're also knocking another song off of our list of the 1984 Oscars nominees for Song of the Year from a movie. So, two birds, one stone today. Or... Two ghosts and one proton pack. (laughs) Well, that was quite an opening. In honor of releasing our most efficient episode ever, we have brought on our most efficient guest, nine-time Bill and Frank guilt-free pleasure guest, Dave Kitchen. Good to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me for the ninth time. I'm not sure if we should have a trigger warning because we are getting into the dark arts today. If maybe people just want to know ahead of time just so they can steer clear if they're worried that this is going to go in a direction they're not comfortable with. But I'm happy to be here. little bit of trivia for you to start things off did you know that ray parker jr is afraid of the dark i had no idea yeah so when he's yeah so when he says he's not afraid of no ghosts his sons actually laughed about this because when they would go on vacation he'd freak out if someone turned the lights off in the room really he would sleep with the lights on he sleeps he has to have a light on when he sleeps and so his wife would say if she went away overnight somewhere and would come home there'd be lights on all over the house he's terrified of the dark like wow. a real terror seriously yeah that's crazy i learned all this information through the documentary who are you going to call which is the story of ray parker jr this excellent documentary highly recommended i'll put the trailer for it in the show notes you got it See, someone pays attention to what we say about our own podcast. Thanks, Frank. I actually clicked on the show notes for a couple of episodes. Those mixtapes are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Should we talk about the history of Ray Parker Jr.? Yeah. Yeah. So Ray Parker Jr., um, he was uh, featured on uh, on another one of the songs that we did, uh, Leo Sayers, uh, Make You Feel Like Dancing. That's right. Famously, he said that Leo Sayer had taken credit for the songwriting of this song, even though he had come up with the guitar riff. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I think most of the blame went on to the producer. Leo Sayer, decent guy, not his fault. Yep. But uh, Ray Parker Jr. ended up uh, being inspired to to sort of take advantage of his ideas and go solo rather than just give it away during the sessions. Yeah. I think he also took advantage of another songwriter for this song. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Kitsch has a lot to say about that. So Ray Parker Jr. comes out of Detroit. He ended up becoming a really good guitar player after breaking his ankle super badly while driving his bike as a kid. He ended up putting his foot down on a curb badly, got a really, really bad break, and was in a cast for like a maybe a year and a half. Seriously? That's how it seemed in the documentary. Oh, geez. I was folding laundry while I was watching it. But he said he practiced a ton while this was going on, and that ended up giving him his so-called 10,000 hours. Did Malcolm Gladwell steal that from Ray Parker Jr.? <laughs> yeah, like 10,000 hours? Leo Sayer and Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> Stealing from our man. I've, I read that book, and he went with the Beatles yeah. as the example of the 10,000 hours musical genius, but he missed out on a huge opportunity. Yeah, there. give the man some credit. Ray Parker was already in a bunch of bands before he got the call from a very famous musician who wanted him to tour with him. Oh, yeah. He uh, he toured with um, uh, Stevie Wonder, right? That's right. So if you watch the Sesame Street episode 
where Stevie Wonder's playing Superstition. I don't know if you've ever seen that, where he's yeah. playing. It's it's sort of odd because I don't remember Sesame Street being like Saturday Night Live, where they would just have full songs played without anything else going on except for some dancing Muppets. Dancing Muppets. But if you watch the video, the guitar player is like a 18-year-old Ray Parker Oh, Jr. wow. Oh, cool. So he toured with Stevie Wonder for years, and it was like an unwritten rule that you never leave Stevie Wonder's band. So there are people in Stevie Wonder's band who've been in it for 40 years. And so when he said he was leaving, Stevie Wonder's manager said, no, no one leaves. You're wrong. It's like the mafia. <laughs> said he had to sleep on a couch in an airport, I think in Houston, like sneak out, go to go to an airport, sleep on the couch, <laughs> and escape in an airplane. Oh, wow. It's like a Soviet defection or something. <laughs> and he went to California where he would sit in front of like studios. Yeah. And tell people, I'm Ray Parker Jr. I'm the greatest guitar player you haven't met before. And I'll stop talking to you if you let me just play guitar for you for one minute. And then you can just leave. And that's how he ended up getting gigs yeah as a session okay. musician oh cool there you go so barry white was one of the first people he was with okay. and he ended up playing on like the, these major barry white songs yeah and that's why you decide to deepen your voice today too right <laughs> yeah that's right it's it's not a cold not yeah. a cold at all there's there's a, a karma to him leaving the band though because and maybe we'll talk about this later but the, when it comes to the oscar um, there's a bit of a Ray, Ray Parker Jr. gets his comeuppance for leaving Stevie Wonder's band. That's right. That Stevie Wonder takes the gold. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I agreed with that. I just, <laughs> I just hadn't said anything for a while. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna name you some songs that Ray Parker Jr. played on. Okay, but I'm just gonna name some that surprised me. Do you remember the song? To be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Ray Parker Jr. playing oh, a guitar real? riff. Yeah. Okay. Lovely Day, Bill Withers. Ray Parker Jr. on guitar. He's on, oh, wow. Yeah. And there's tons and tons of others. I mean, we could say, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, which yeah. is so great. That is Ray Parker's guitar riff that he came up with himself. Yeah. So, in the studio, he would come up with things. He says it was like the greatest time of his life musically to be with all these people. Mm -hmm. And he comes out of that era where there was money to be spent and you'd have these session musicians who are incredible yeah 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 so that leads us all i know i'm kind of taking over here but i'm i i did watch a two-hour documentary on this yeah and i read a wikipedia page so i think <laughs> you, you have me trumped a bit there is so many good ray parker jr songs to explore beyond ghostbusters so if you get a chance find the essential ray parker jr and he's got a song called jack and jill which is such a good groove and he's got another one called, and you can't change that. And it is so good that it all, it kind of puts Ghostbusters in this weird sort of place where it's a song that made him absolutely a megastar. Yeah. But he had a long and deep career going into this. Pretty incredible. Well, he, he often gets asked, like, are you tired of this song? It's like, why would I get tired of the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? Because this made him a, a megastar. Yeah. He wow. said it was like winning the lottery. Yeah. Yes. Why would I return my lottery ticket? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Do we know all the other artists that were offered this Ghostbusters song oh, before him? Um, Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Who did Holiday Road for National Lampoon's Vacation, which was great. Yeah. But didn't do Ghostbusters. Yeah, because he didn't want to be known as the soundtrack guy. Unbelievable. Who else? I read somewhere that it said 60 people got rejected. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I think Huey Lewis was actually offered it, uh, offered the uh, um, the gig as well, but he turned it down. And they played "I Want a New Drug" as the music in the background. Apparently, like they played Huey Lewis music to try to get the feel of it. Just as that leads to the issue coming up later, mm -hmm. the double the double lawsuit. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what's. Should we just go into it now? Yeah, let's just sure. jump into it. Dave Kitchen, you're the one who, you're a legal expert here. <laughs> I'm the law talking guy. Um, yeah, no, it, uh, so, you know, if you play the song side by side, it is a complete ripoff. So there was a lawsuit 
And the lawsuit endured until 2001. And part of the, the terms of the lawsuit was nobody was allowed to talk about it. And then in 2001, Huey Lewis on a VH1 special revealed that he had to pay or that Ray Parker had to pay him. So then Ray Parker countersued for breaking the, the non-disclosure act and then settled. they settled on that. So I don't know what the financial terms were, but it was a lawsuit. And then like, I'll see your lawsuit and raise you one more lawsuit. <laughs> How did you feel re-listening to I Want a New Drug after listening to Ghostbusters? Like you could hear the Ghostbusters in there. Yeah, I actually, because I, I listened to the song for this podcast and I heard I Want a New Drug while I was listening to it. Right. And sometimes you, you catch when you hear songs that are similar, you can kind of like think about it afterwards. But this is while the song was on. It, it felt like it was like a, a, a car like catching a rut and, and almost steering over towards the Huey Lewis song. Yeah. And so there's there's obvious um, obviously because of the lawsuit and all that other sort of fun stuff the comparisons with uh, I want a new drug, but I hear a lot of Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science in this song. That's a good call. It's not direct, but there's a lot of elements that I find are incredibly similar in, in this song. And I haven't listened to Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me with Science, but in my mind, it's very very similar. I could be completely wrong. Actually, I'm probably wrong, but in my mind, I'm correct. That's the important thing. I believe I'm right. I think it's so fluid as a song because it has all the 80s hallmarks. It's like every song from 1984 to 1989 is contractually obligated to have a a saxophone in it. Yes. (laughs) And then you've got the drum kit and then you've got the synth, right? So it's just like, I don't think any song comes out of that era with that sound that you can't find connections to other songs. Yeah. I found that this song had more energy to it than like listening to them side by side. There's a fun in Ghostbusters that is bigger than the Hugh Lewis and the News. As, much, as good as the Hugh Lewis song is, it feels really long. It's five minutes long. Yeah. The Ghostbusters is about four and a half minutes, something like that. But the Ghostbusters song seems to carry that time without you feeling like you've been there a long time. But I want a new drug about two and a half minutes in. I'm like, oh, okay, is it over? Like, oh my goodness, I'm not halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> what I find with Ghostbusters is... There, there are a lot of elements in in the song that, uh, like, there's the beginning. It, it is spooky, right? Like, it has that sort of haunted house uh, sound to it. But in in the part where he says, "I ain't afraid of no ghosts," and there's a frantic energy, like the bueno, 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 and and it sounds like the siren from the Ecto One from yeah. the movie, right? Yeah. You get caught up in the in the feeling of the song, like you would in the kind of like it brings you back into the movie yeah i I, there's a lot of parallels there i i found it was like really fascinating when i thought about it that way and he had all those ideas in his head how he wanted it to go he just didn't have when he was writing it so he just didn't have the idea for the chorus he couldn't so he talked about when they asked him to do this ivan reitman called him in he said yeah i can do it ivan reitman even says he was so confident it's like yeah yeah i can do this i can do this and then, of course, there's two days where he can't sleep. He's at the studio and he's like, I can't, well, I can't rhyme anything with ghosts. Because the lights are on, he can't sleep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he says, I can't rhyme anything with Ghostbusters. He goes, he's trying to come up with things. And you can hear him trying to sing Ghostbusters. He goes, this doesn't work. But do you remember the story about how he came up with it? 
Yeah, it was uh, like a late night commercial that he saw. Yeah, and and it was like one of those things where it was like a, appealing to the audience to call in or call this number, and then he kind of, and it goes back to what you're saying about the fun of the the song is that the song is a commercial. It's inspired by a commercial, but it is also a commercial for the song. Yeah, so it has this. It's not real kind of quality to it. Like I listen to it now, and it's it's so perfect for the '80s, but. It doesn't feel like a song. It just feels like some other pop culture event kind of thing. It's so postmodern, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is this postmodern or I not? I think you can just say that about anything. Oh, okay. It fits, yeah. Our podcast is very postmodern. You saying that is so postmodern. <laughs> <laughs> it's the self-awareness. Yeah. Actually, I think it is. <laughs> oh, shoot. We're tied up in knots here. Yeah. Which is so postmodern. <laughs> But the song is way more clever than I realized it was. I knew it was kind of clever, but then realizing it's about calling the Ghostbusters, it just, you know, peeling it back and kind of working through the lyrics becomes way more fun. Yeah. Now, just one more story. Just kidding. It's not one more story. I'm going to tell many stories today. <laughs> he was locked up in the studio. The delivery man, the the guy who's like the courier who's supposed to bring the song back to the studio because it's basically Ray Parker's like I don't get paid unless I have the song ready and the guy's banging on the door like hey we need the song he's still recording it so he's locked himself in and the guy's banging on the door and he sings I ain't afraid of no ghost and the whole Ghostbusters thing that's when he records it it's like seven in the morning he gets it and then gives it to the guy and it was enough like Ivan Reitman calls him at three in the morning that you know New York time yeah yeah and just says this is perfect and then Ray Parker Jr. is laughing about him saying, oh, I have a right, man, he must be from Montreal or something. He's not, he's from Hamilton. I know this because my parents were at uh, university with him. But um, he called and said, what is this? I am not afraid of any ghost. He goes, no, no, it's, I'm not afraid of no ghost, right? And, and so I'm right, he's still trying to figure out, he goes, okay, so I'm not afraid of no, 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 I'm not afraid of no ghost. He's just trying to explain to him, this is how it goes. And and then Ivan Reitman's like, oh, okay. And it's perfect. Yeah. That line's so perfect. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, Ivan Reitman said that one of the stipulations, the song had to have Ghostbusters in it. And he's, well, like you said, it was like, how are you going to sing this? So he doesn't sing it at all. It's his girlfriend and her friend that are, are yelling Ghostbusters. And when you listen to it, it sounds like somebody's girlfriend and her friend. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that where you don't know the, the detail. You just kind of gloss over it. But when you pay attention to it, it really does sound like a bunch of amateurs just yelling into a mic. Yeah. yeah. It'd be great to just have it totally separated to hear it because it just you grab a whole bunch of people. Yeah. You give them enough to drink or whatever. And then you just start, I ain't afraid. No. What is the, what, what is the line they yell? It's just Ghostbusters. Just Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine just even the recording of it, him saying that to them and they're yelling into the microphone. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Uh, think you better call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! I can't hear you. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Louder! Ghostbusters! So we want to jump through the lyrics here? Like, oh, yes. It's just a call and answer song, really, right? All right, let's bring these up. And there's so much to talk about. Like that opening beginning, the beginning of the song itself. Uh, I'm trying to think of other songs. Did Monster Mash kind of open like that too? This is before Thriller. No, this is after this Thriller. This is after Thriller, yeah. Because Thriller has the same similar yeah, opening, Yeah, right? well, there it is. So this is has that opening... And I guess, unlike Thriller, in a way, it's just suddenly, like, you, you're expecting something super spooky. Yeah. And it's just so fun. Speaking of the startup, the very first line is Ghostbusters. And when you read the lyrics, they have an exclamation point after it. So, <laughs> it's just like a knockout punch at the very beginning of the song. There's no mystery about what this is going to be about. It is the ultimate advertisement for a movie. Like a tie-in. Yeah. If you, like, I don't think there's any movie that... Or any song that tells you immediately is like, oh, it's about a movie called Ghostbusters. <laughs> I uh, I rewatched the movie as as research for this episode, and uh, at least that's what I told myself I was doing. And it plays like at least three times in the movie, like it's it's all over the movie. Like, and and to think that it was kind of like one of those one of the last things 
done for the movie, yeah. it, it's uh, prolification in there is, is, is kind of amazing. Well, which is just how great this song actually is. It's like uh, Martin Scorsese always plays that one Rolling Stone song in every movie, sometimes twice or three times. Give me shelter. Give me shelter. Yeah. yeah. I think in The Departed, it plays three times. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you gun call? Wait, are you asking again? No, or I'm just reading it. Are you just reading. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can say Ghostbusters. I'm your girlfriend in this situation. Is that it? I don't want to do this role playing anymore. <laughs> I'm not comfortable. Dave Kitchen, you're my harassment rep for this meeting. <laughs> if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? My client would like you to say Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> if it's something weird and it don't look good, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yes. If there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! If there's something weird and it don't look good, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! There's a pretty efficient uh, opening verse, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think it's uh he's singing about a haunting. Am I correct? Well, this is what we need to talk about. So it's a haunting, but because Ray Parker Jr. is so smooth, you know, he, it could be other things. Well, and that's the thing, because his other songs, like he's a Lothario. Like he sings about the ladies. Yeah. He doesn't sing about spooky things. Although um, there is a, another one of the, uh, and this shows up in, in his video, the video for his song, uh, The Other Woman. Yeah. In that, he's playing a sexy Dracula. Yeah. So maybe he's slanted towards the supernatural. So when he says, I ain't afraid of no ghost, it's, I know he's talking about Ghostbusters, but he's like, no, 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 you're going to call Ray Parker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get to that second verse, this is where, to me, this sort of uh, lusty ghost hunter comes out where he says, if you're seeing things running through your head, who are you going to call? An invisible man sleeping in your bed, oh, who are you going to call? If you're seeing things running through your head, who can you call? Ghostbusters! An invisible man sleeping in your bed, oh, who are you going to call? All right, so we're moving through. We got, if you're all alone, pick up the phone and call Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, it's 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 not about, yeah, it's not about the Ghostbusters. I'm just realizing this yeah. now. It's about, like, if you're getting scared, call me because I'll be there for you. Well, this is where it leads to that next part where it says, I ain't afraid of no ghost. And then this would be a category in the future. Bruce Soderholm brought this up to me the other day where he called it dyslexia, as in like, yeah. music disc yeah like miss her lyrics i like to think of it as the category hold me closer tony danza mm -hmm. but there's a line there i just i didn't even have a replacement for because i just i didn't know what he said but yeah the line is i hear it likes the girls i'm afraid of no girls i hear it likes the girls i hear it likes the girls gives that sort of sense of okay this sort of haunting is a, is a little more um carnal Car yeah carnal sounds better than romance in yeah. this case yeah yeah well, like i said ray parker knows how to sing about the ladies not necessarily the ghost maybe it's a ghost lady or a lady ghost yeah well because um you know it makes them feel good ghostbusters busting oh yeah <laughs> makes them feel real good yeah, that's the, uh, after the line, you're like, mm, if you had a dose of a freaky ghost baby, you better call Ghostbusters, ow. Let me tell you something, Bustin makes me feel good. I love that line. Like, he's not talking about ghosts. Yeah. I'm just realizing this now. My childhood has been, like, tarnished. Let me tell you something. Bustin makes me feel good. Well, and then there's another stanza that I never really thought about that says, don't get caught alone, oh no, when it comes through your door, 
Unless you just want some more, you better call. So he's leaving the possibility of not calling on the table. And so is it really about ghosts or is it it's about, about sexy parking? ghosts? Well, then this works really well in the Demi Moore Patrick Swayze ghost where she doesn't want Swayze to get busted, right? Because that would... I mean, what a horrible movie crossover just came up with. How tragic would it be if Patrick Swayze got caught by the... By Peter Venkman? Yeah. <laughs> what a way to end a movie. I, I would like to think that he would roundhouse kick his way out of the trap and the proton pack and everything. <laughs> or nice. does it end with Rick Moranis and Demi Moore molding that, <laughs> that giant clay phallus? <laughs> when it comes through your door Unless you just want some more, I think you better call. And of course, the song then ends with uh, the call and response. Yeah. I can't hear you louder, back and forth, which is super fun. And I got to watch uh, Ray Parker Jr. visit like a music class of these like kids. And so he's like, you better help me out seeing Ghostbusters. And they did this whole part. And the, and, and the kids sounded exactly like they would have been in the original recording. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. So do we chat about the video here a little bit? I'm trying to remember. I, I watched it a couple of times. but Because uh, uh, there's scenes in the movie interspersed into it. But it's it's basically him in a neon house like singing about sexy ghosts, right? And haunting a woman who's yeah. barely dressed for because it's the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's a sexy ghost in this one, right? <laughs> you need to say sexy ghost more, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I like the frame of the video. I like I that it's not just the movie clips, that it's actually... In a location, the girl walks into this neon lit house because yeah. neon is super cool in 1984. Yeah. And Ray Parker's afraid of the dark. So. Yeah. So I don't know how they would have filmed this without him freaking out. But I mean, you can't hear him scream, I guess. Yeah. Because they turned down the sound. Was he like the ghost chasing her at one point mm-hmm. when she opens the, the blind? Yeah. And there's one where he's outside the window and the window, the drapes are kind of flowing. And then it's kind of zooming in and you see that it's him. Right. So he's the haunter. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's kind of... No, but it's okay if he's sexy. Oh, he, of course. It's Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. So... He's trying to drum up business for the Ghostbusters. Yeah. I have a list of all the uh, celebrity cameos. Oh, good, good. In the video. It starts with Chevy Chase. Then it goes to Irene Cara, who was in Flashdance, but also sang the song for fame. Then John Candy. Then Melissa Gilbert from Little House on the Prairie. Then Ollie E. Brown who had a song, I think, out at that time, around the, in the same week or so, that this song came to number one. And then Jeffrey Tambor from Arrested Development, George Went from Cheers, Al Franken from SNL, and then later That's Senator, Senator Al Franken, Danny DeVito, Carly Simon, and Peter Falk, and then it closes with Terry Garr. So some big names for that time. Yeah, and apparently they were all in Times Square for the filming of it, but it's just them on a with a black background. So yeah. It feels like yeah. such an uh, like an inefficient from an episode where we're super efficient, incredibly efficient. Where they're renting all of Times Square for this final part, where I'm like, how it felt like it was super short, where you're just walking down the middle of the street, and like you could have just kept Times Square running. Yeah, yeah, and nobody got paid. No one got like, paid. of all they're these they're cameos. All just, they're all just friends, right? So yeah. Right, yeah. It's great advertising for whatever you do. I mean, that probably played into Jeffrey Tambor finally getting a, his big job 20 years later. Right. <laughs> that is kind of surprising to me. Jeffrey Tambor is a choice, but it, but it worked out in the long arc of history. Yeah. To quote Barack Obama. <laughs> More to say about the video? Um, I, I think there's not a whole lot to say about it, right? It's perfect. Although MTV played it, but MTV was really um, reluctant to play many videos from black artists. That's right, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And so this is huge. The song was huge. They had no choice but to play it. But before that, like you'd get maybe Michael Jackson, probably Lionel Richie. But other than that, they yeah. they just avoid it. Yeah, I, I saw an interview with David Bowie where he took them on and he called it out back in like 84, yeah, 83. Because yeah. they, 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 they debuted in 83, so those first year or two... 
I guess it was noticeable enough amongst the music community that David Bowie stood up. Oh, when he brought Al B. Sure on for black tie, white noise. Oh, yeah. They had no choice. <laughs> he made things right. <laughs> Favorite part of the song? I think mine is, well, there's the uh, there's that frantic sort of music in the in the background. I, I guess it's the, the synth when uh, um, when he's saying, it's like, uh, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And he's like, when, when. I did that earlier. We can, I can do it again if you <laughs> yes. guys want. So. Please do it one more time. That's, I think that's my favorite part. <laughs> I had the same thing. It's oh. that, that uh, I don't know if it's like a chord progression or like a key change or whatever, but it's that. And while he's saying, I, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And it's just that classic 80 synth. It's so, yeah, yeah. It's so good. It elicits the sexy ghost. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mine is that middle section where I don't know if it's a bridge, but there's like a musical breakdown. I like that we have no idea what this is like such like the beats that we hit in our show. I don't know if it's a bridge. When he mentions I hear it likes the girls, but then it comes to let me tell you something. Busted makes me feel good. And then then it goes to, well, I guess that does go to the part that you were talking about. And then the yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, that's, that does it for me. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huey Lewis, you shouldn't have sued him. You should have left him alone. Yeah. But you know what, Huey? You couldn't keep your mouth shut, could you? Couldn't leave well enough alone. Karate Kid Part 1. So I'm quoting Karate Kid Part 1. <laughs> that was 1984 too, wasn't it? If it is, this is now the ultimate year. Yeah, Karate Kid, 1984. Wow. We haven't talked about the uh, the way the song came together. Talk about efficiency. Mm. He only put like 40 seconds together. Because at, at first he just needed it for a scene. It was supposed to be in that library scene at the beginning of the movie. Right. And so he put 40 seconds together and then they, they realized it was good and they wanted a full song. So that's why it's got that repetitive thing because it's just looping through all the way through. And that scene, like the, the that library scene, because that really kind of opens the movie. They get called in and then, well, there, there's the, you don't see the ghost in the opening scene in the library, but you see the the librarian being freaked out. But then... When the Ghostbusters go in there, I remember watching that, like my parents rented the uh, the tape. I think they actually rented a VCR so we could rent the Ghostbusters back in like 85 or something like that. And uh, and I just remember being terrified of that ghost right off the hop. Ghostbusters was scary. Yeah. I found it scary. Like my parents weren't cool with me watching it when I saw it at the neighbor's house. And that opening sequence with all the... Um, the index cards. The index cards yeah, yeah, coming yeah. out. Dewey would have gone nuts had he seen this. <laughs> My decimal system yeah. in ruins. It's a really cool scene. Like, you think about how they would have had to film it. I mean, now they can just use lasers and magnets, but then they had to actually, like, push things, yeah, right? they actually had to hire ghosts to do it. <laughs> right. I do remember the, some of the imagery, because there was that dog at the, later on in the movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, that, that was kind of terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Seven-year-old kid. But uh, and then re-watching it, because uh, it... Their claymation, the, the, that's the uh, special effects that they used. It's like model claymation. And it's just like, oh, my, this this doesn't hold up so well. Well, it gets a bit bigger sometimes, a bit smaller at other times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I mean, obviously, it's 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 a huge part of pop culture. This song, um, obviously, for for the movie and and all that. But it uh, it's it's such a big pop culture song. But it, it still gets inputted into into different shows and movies and, and stuff like that because it it still plays and it's such a big part of what the mid eighties were because um, it, it was used largely in um, in season two of Stranger Things in the, right. the one episode where yeah. they all showed up as the Ghostbusters. It is a major cultural artifact yeah. in terms of the song being known all around the world, in terms of a world that has access to, to movies. Yeah. Ray Parker Jr. had said, 
every kid knows the lyrics to Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I think he's right. So yeah. you think about songs, this might be the most known song in the world. And since I don't really believe in life outside of the world, I think it's the biggest song in the universe or even the metaverse. <laughs> you, that's that's a bold claim. Yeah. Multiverse. Like, sorry. Metaverses. I, back to postmodernism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I think, uh, Fresh Prince sound, uh, theme song yep. are kind of those, they, they just cross generational divides. Let me tell you something. Let's do some categories. Okay. Let's start with the mixtape. Oh. <laughs> All right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end the mixtape because mine is just mine just sucks the life out of everything. Okay. I'm gonna start it then. I picked very specific. I was trying to put some rules on me because I had okay. songs I liked better, but I painted myself into a corner. I said, movie bangers with names of the movie in the title. Oh, okay. Okay. And they all generally come around, the. they all came out around the same year before. So I have Never Ending Story, Footloose, Flashdance, and Fame. Oh, okay. Those are my big four. Those are your big four. Okay. And I did have some others, like Against All Odds. I want to put in there, but it, it just doesn't feel no. like it. And Purple Rain's just so long. <laughs> <laughs> and La Bamba was already done, you know, by this, this guy named Richie Valens, even though I prefer the uh, Los Lobos. Gotcha. Kitch, do you got a mixtape? I do. And I was inspired by the first few notes of the song, that kind of eerie, before the, the poppy synth comes in. Also, a lot of 80s songs um, that have a similar sound in my mind. So you got, um, I hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. Uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart. Poison by the Jackson 5. Uh, Wrapped Around Your Finger by the Police. Um, I can't remember his name, but somebody's I always feel like somebody's watching me. It's the song where Michael ja Jackson sings back up on it. And then Thriller, of course, because you got okay. that Thriller. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So I'm going to take the wind out of everyone's sails here. I did songs that are about ghosts or haunting. Okay. The problem is they're all like old, sad, bastard music songs because that's the only time people sing about haunting ghosts. Okay, let's hear. Ghosts That Haunt Me, Crash Test Dummies. Don't Fear the Reaper, Blue Oyster Cult. Happy Phantom. Tori Amos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shank Hill Butchers, The Decemberists. Folk Bloodbath by Josh Ritter. And then I am ending it with the biggest ghost song of all time, Unchained Melody, The Righteous Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that is wind out of the sails. <laughs> all right, let's see. Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple more tunes just to try to fix that up. Uh, I wanted to throw in um, Axel F. Oh, okay. There you go. Just because I need to... I was thinking you, just off the top of my head of music soundtrack songs that define the movie. Like Ghostbusters yep. does. Axel F totally yep. defined. The Beverly Highlander Hills soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, Queen really did that one. Yeah. Um, I the Tiger. Oh, mm. for Rocky, Rocky three, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think like eighties would have these songs that you know, Footloose. Yeah, you kind of had to like if you had a movie, you had to have like a, a soundtrack that that worked that movie too, yeah. right? Like uh, even uh, Chariots of Fire, right? Huge miss by me. Chariots of Fire would have worked yeah. just fine. Uh, can I put that on my old sad bastard list? Right next to Tori Amos, <laughs> you mix you mixtape killer. <laughs> <laughs> piano heavy b-side oh i know <laughs> it's not my fault that all the songs about sexy ghosts are like just downer songs did, did you find any fiona apple songs to add to this <laughs> i almost put some kate bush in there well you're right about every big movie needing a soundtrack and i read that somewhere that this song added 20 million dollars to the gross of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, it was that popular. 
it sold like the tens of millions. Like it, they were hoping it would do well, but Ray Parker Jr. got this phone call saying, "Oh, you know, it's uh, we've just shipped four million units to Europe." And he said, "What part of me?" So this wasn't even like we've sold. No, we've shipped four million into anticipation. So within a few weeks, he's holding a ten million record sold thing. So should we talk about uh, where it landed in the charts? Like yeah. what was surrounding it? So 1984 was was a, a crazy year for, for music, especially the number ones. So the five weeks preceding um, when uh, Ghostbusters was, was number one was uh, When Doves Cry by, by Prince. And then What's Love Got to Do With It was number one for three weeks after Ghostbusters. Like... Was Ghostbusters number one for two weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Apparently it was like the number one selling song of the year, which doesn't take much to believe because, I mean, it's huge everywhere. Mm-hmm. But think of the competition it beat out. So besides, I mean, I guess we should talk about the Academy Awards since this is part of our efficiency episode. Mm-hmm. So it wins the year in terms of being the song that's the most sold. And it, it beats out all these songs. Yeah. But when it came to the Academy Awards, Stevie Wonder, of course, wins over Let's Hear It for the Boy. Footloose and, uh, well, obviously Ghostbusters. There was another song for Footloose, too, I think. There were two songs. Well, Let's Hear It for the Boy. Oh, that's right. Against All Odds. Yes. So let's bring this back because we've done this before for our episodes. Let's put those songs up against each other. You got... Let's hear it for the boy. Footloose, Ghostbusters, Against All Odds. I just called to say I love you. Yeah. What's your choice? I, I'm still Footloose. I, I think I think Footloose and Let's Hear It for the Boy split the votes. Yeah. And because uh, I would give it to uh, I would give it to one of those two. Okay. I remember Against All Odds being a massive song. Yeah. When I was a kid too, in the video. Oh yeah, Jeff Bridges. Oh yeah, was there James was Woods. there one where like he was wearing like a unisuit or something like that? Oh yeah, in one of the scenes in the movie. It's I can't really remember hot that. and heavy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I like I, for me, it's got to be that one. Yeah. I just called is is great, but it, just in terms of it being kind of a song that has legs and kind of still has has like a a value, it's got to be Phil Collins. All right now, this one in terms of as a song that defines a movie this really oh yeah this like if if there if one of the categories was the song that best suited the movie or whatever yeah this is the one i was initially going to just come in and pick one of the other songs but this gave it a real run for the money because i forgot how fun it was yeah i forgot how clever the song was for what ray parker was doing because he was like way sexier than i realized yeah 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 that added an element to the song I wasn't expecting. I know, right? Yeah, and then re-listening to it and actually reading the lyrics is just like, yeah, okay. It's not about ghosts as much as we thought. Yeah. Uh, other categories, I you know, I I try to come up with one about covers, and on the um, the Ghostbusters movie from 2016. Yeah. What was the subtitle of that one? Oh, um, I thought it was like a really bad subtitle, like. Ghostbusters, answer the call. I thought it was one of the worst titles, subtitles for it. At least the recent one, Afterlife, made more sense. Yeah. But either way, the answer the call movie, which wasn't this, it was really originally just Ghostbusters, but I think the negative feedback called for answer the call. Yeah. They On their soundtrack, they had all these covers of it. Yeah. Oh, man. So they have um, Fallout Boy and Mrs. Elliot, Missy Elliot. Yeah. And then uh, there was pentatonics did one too yeah oh man and then walk the moon and just all of them are just like no i mean some of them are kind of clever run dmc does a rap of it yes which isn't bad yeah and then there is like some other versions but just nothing no to quote prince quoted by Sinead o'connor nothing compares to you ray parker jr yes no well even the subtitle of the movie it speaks to the power that the song had because it's Ghostbusters answer the call. So it's kind of forefronting, oh, right. yeah. forefronting the fact that the phone call, calling Ghostbusters is the central part. Yeah, who are you going to call? Which I wasn't ever said in the original Ghostbusters movie. Like they never no. said, who are you going to call? No, no, they they say call us now or something like that yeah. on the uh, 
on because they, they do that really cheesy commercial on uh, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And still answering that call in the Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is the one I just watched. So, talent show. Oh yeah, because I remember in in elementary school there were a bunch of the more confident, popular kids that uh, that did Ghostbusters. Uh, I, I think they can't remember if they sang it or if they lip sang it or whatever. But it was just like, well, these people are so cool, and I'm not. Could I do it now at an elementary school uh, talent show? No, because they won't let me in the buildings. <laughs> the 500 foot thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you make me sound creepy. <laughs> I'm a sexy ghost. Yeah, I'm a sexy ghost, not a creepy ghost. That claymation version of you that we tried to put together that just didn't age well. <laughs> you just put clay on top of me and I just got all... Could you do this at karaoke? Oh yeah, yeah, but you'd you'd have it'd have to be a, a group, right? Because you need someone to yell the Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. with you. That that would be great though if yeah. you could get a crew to do that. Yeah, I think in a talent show you could do a dance routine to it. You could do a lip sync, lip sync for sure. Yeah, could this be a Hallmark movie? I don't think you could even talk about it because it's Ghost. Like, is Ghostbusters Hallmark? It's no. a bit too sexy. Even yeah. like Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis, they get it on, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Here's a category for you. All right. Category is trivia with Bill. This one's an easy one. What do you think Ray Parker Jr.'s ringtone is? Is it actually the Ghostbusters? Yes, that's oh, awesome. No. <laughs> he went with he went with Ernie Hudson of all people to a reading of a play in detroit so he brought him in like hey check out community theater or they're doing a reading it's great and ray parker jr forgot to turn his phone off and it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i like to think of ray parker jr kind of going out there saying hey who are you gonna call where where he's not even it's like uh, unbidden ray parker jr so yeah, he yeah. say he'd drive maybe i I thought he said once or twice a month. He might have said once or twice a year, but I prefer once or twice a month. He'd just go to his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame just so he could meet the people who are looking at it and get selfies with them. Oh, my goodness. That's cool. He's such a fun guy. Like, yeah, yeah. like his sons would laugh about him because they'd say, do you know your dad was a sex symbol? And they're like, no. And they're just yeah. la- laughing and laughing. But they said every time they go out, he would always take time for fans oh, okay. and just be super, super... Um, welcoming to everybody. Oh, that's cool. Ray Parker, good guy. I was reading some trivia. So I remember there was a Ghostbusters cartoon. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the voice of Peter Vankman was the same guy who did Garfield. And then um, Ernie Hudson's character, I don't know the name of the guy in the Winston. movie. Winston. Winston was Arsenio Hall. Yeah, oh, that's wow. right. Yeah. Yeah. And then in a weird turn, Bill Murray, who's Peter Venkman, voiced Garfield in those two terrible movies. Yeah. He did two Garfields. Yeah. He thought it was Joel or Ethan Cohen, yeah. but it was his, a different E10 Cohen. E10 Cohen. Yeah. That's, right. That's great. Oh. Yeah. Uh, more uh, cartoon trivia. The guy who, uh, so the guy who played Peter Venkman, who also did Garfield, only did it for three years. And then somebody else took over. From the cast of Full House. Uh, Uncle Joey, Joey Gladstone, uh, Dave Coulier. Yeah. Yeah, no, he took over for, uh, for the guy who, who, who voiced him at the beginning. Just wait till your father gets home and sees this mess. Yeah, and I'm the Caesar of salads. Give it your best shot, big guy. I think you're all mouth. Uh, yeah, do we have any more? Like, I, I, don't, I, don't have I can't any, think uh, of any other. I feel like this, the nature of this song defies like all the other categories we'd have. Yeah, to yeah. we kind of don't need to do them, right? Yeah. So it's, it's fine. It's like, not a song. It's yeah. a commercial. Yeah. 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 And and this can only work in the 80s where a song that that acts like a commercial and is a commercial is so popular. So I was saying to Frank earlier that there's there's like a for for people of our vintage the 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 jingle was a big part of yeah. growing up and now a lot of commercials just use songs that are on the radio and stuff like that yeah. but there were the the like the it was almost 
a, a genre of, of music unto itself, not popular in the way that you'd listen to it on a, a top 40 or anything like that, but you, you would hear these jingles yeah. and, it, and it was part of the culture. Well, think, think about all the commercials from the eighties that we still have, uh, um, eighties and like early nineties, uh, like, uh, Kit Kat, give me a break of that. Kit give me Kat. a break. And like, like all those like jingles that we have stuck in our heads, right? All right. Let's do a little, uh. Activity Ad-lib? here, yeah, okay. yeah. Ready? I'm gonna start a jingle, and you try to finish it, and then you try one on me. Gotcha. Okay. I don't have any. All right, ready. that's okay. Just zest fully clean. Is that zest soap? Yeah. No, you gotta finish. Oh. <laughs> zest fully clean. You're not fully clean unless you're zest fully clean. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. All right, I got another one for okay. you. Okay. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. I don't know that one. Ben? If you're sure. If you're sure. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. And that okay. was actually a gospel song. And I remember hearing this yeah. in the Pentecostal church. They're very upset because we often raised our hands if we were sure. <laughs> but it worked really well because yeah. if they were using sure, then at least, you know. Yeah. Okay. Here's one with more of a local flair to it. We'll save you time. Leave the hassle to us. We'll be there waiting for you, Niagara Airbus. <laughs> oh, that's good. Very good. I didn't know. Uh, that was on cable. All the like the yeah. local cable, like Channel Ten. Can Channel Ten? Oh my, that's very good. Wow. So yeah, I think um, one of the big reasons why the song was so popular, like I said, is like as a jingle, as a commercial. I, you can thank Reaganomics for that, right? But. Uh, Trickle down, trickle down to all of us. <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, such a big song, and uh, we're glad that we have such a big guest in terms of the number of times that he's been here, Mr. Dave Kitchen, almost double digits for joining us yet again for uh, for uh, talking about Ghostbusters here today. Thanks for having me, guys. Always fun, and uh, have a happy Halloween. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And I'd like to send a message out to our listeners on behalf of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. If you like a song and people say it ain't no good, who are you going to call? Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. <laughs>